This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I have ever tried. There's so much going on in life, and there's a need for good nutrition for your body. You have to support when you give yourself good nutrition, you give your mind the same thing. And being a chiropractor and preaching and educating individuals on health on a consistent basis, I'm always looking for something that can help meet my demands and needs for my body from a nutritional standpoint so that I can continue to thrive in every aspect of my life, no matter what I do. And this is where I like Athletic Greens. It comes in, it's full spectrum nutrition, it's life-changing. They have an all-in-one superfood powder that hits your nutritional essence. It has things that I truly enjoy, like mushrooms and greens and antioxidants and other factors 
factors that I can get in, probiotics and prebiotics and so much more. It is one of the things with all the best things that they have put into this shake. So one taste of this Athletic Greens contains up to 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and so much more to give you that gap, right? That's why they call them supplements. So it gives you that gap to help you with that, that aspect. And for me, especially when I'm on the road, this is my go-to to truly help give me my body and everything that I need to thrive in every aspect that I can. And what's great about the product is it's, it's a lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free or gluten free and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on its taste. And I must say the taste is something that I was impressed with because I've taken a lot of different green products in my life. Again, I've been doing nutrition for 21 years and this is one product that got the taste right, even with all the good, which I was shocked to see that. And right now with Athletic Greens is doing is they're doubling down on supporting your immune system during the these times. And what they're offering is a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash mindful and get your free year of vitamin D and five free travel packs. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, at Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there, and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. Every Friday, we interview someone to share something that's going to inspire you in your life in some way, shape, or form. The goal is to raise your consciousness, to help create some awareness, and to really help you expand and evolve the natural way that you're designed to. This episode, I was looking forward to having with Dr. Stephen Crawford. Um, just an amazing, intelligent being, very well intellectual, very has a lot of good nuggets and wisdom. Um, in our chats in the past, I was like, this is gonna be a great podcast. I can't wait to dive in. Um, this was really wonderful. We dove into many different topics. We talked about what are you for? We got into the righteous mind, we got into sports, um, and we talked about things of the law of gender, the law of entropy, and a lot of different things that you can utilize in how to create stuff from a non-physical to the physical and how to really lead your life in the way that you desire. Um, it was really great to you know dive in and just to talk a little bit about Dr. Stephen Crawford. Uh, for the last 20 years, he's been instrumental in developing and training thousands of leaders to seek to improve their leadership skills. At a, as, a, as a motivational speaker and trainer, he has delivered inspiring messages to businesses, conferences, schools, camps, and rallies of thousands of audiences all over the nation and in 13 countries. With expertise in leadership development, teamwork, diversity, experiential education, and a community transformation, Stephen challenges the traditional thinking by inspiring change through creative experiences. As a consultant, he has also assisted several businesses and nonprofit organizations through coaching executives and managers, providing leadership training and staff development, increasing profitability. 
telling you this is a good one. Get a pen and paper out. We're going to have a lot of good stuff here to share with you guys. It was a wonderful discussion. Uh, I'll be definitely having him back on um, in the near future. But here is Dr. Stephen Crawford. Stephen, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks so much. Great to have Great. To, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I think we're very, we had some interactions before and it's one of those things where, you know, you just know that even when just in our early discussion, not even with this before the podcast, but even before it was like, oh yeah, we can, we can go rounds here in conversations, maybe in <laughs> multitudes of podcasts. So I'm excited to see where this is going to take us. Absolutely. Let's, let's dive right in. <laughs> so I always ask this first question. My listeners know this, and I always do this because I want them to um, see the version of who you are and be able to connect with you a little better. Um, but, you know, how did you get into where you're getting into? Because a lot of times in life, you know, we, I, I was always taught you choose a road and you go. And when I got the undergrad, man, it wasn't bad. I bounced around like crazy. And then all of a sudden from being in computer science, somehow I ended up be a chiropractor. And then somehow I got into mindset too and coaching and all that. It's a very interesting road and in how my life took me. And uh, everybody I've interviewed so far has had something similar. Uh, I'm still waiting for that one person. Haven't had it yet. So how did you get into what you're doing now and all that fun jazz? Well, for me, actually, it was a direct path out of college. I went from studying urban studies, uh, which all the promise, systematic problems of, of cities and how cities work. And I lucked out uh, and scored a job that was with a nonprofit that there was some futuristic thinking going on in uh, one of the found, uh, in kind of an endowment foundation uh, of one of the pharmaceutical companies. Says, what would happen if all this strategic planning, all this um, consulting, all this high-level uh, support work that many of the corporations go through. What would happen if we would invest in nonprofits? What could they do? Because, you know, they, they got sick of people seeing a need and trying to fill a hole. I mean, it's just like a hole filler. I mean, that never solves a problem, just filling holes. Um, there's always going to be another hole to fill. But what would happen if we got nonprofit leaders to think differently? And so I got a job that uh, not only, you know, my master's was in leadership as well, but not only did I, I, I start studying leadership theory, but I had an immediate place to start practically putting my, my skills of teaching, training, and all these things. So I was really fired up about that. And then, uh, like all uh, things go, I think it was a law of physics that says what goes up must come down. The stock market had a really big ripple effect in about 2008 timeframe. And that endowment went away. <laughs> so um, I always say that uh, we lasted longer than most. I was running an organization with about 60 people and, uh, in 2011. Uh, and over the next eight months, as that endowment wound, wound down, uh, it was all but me. Uh, and it's me and the board. And the board that day in September 2011 promoted me to work full time on my track passion on my dream. They decided to shut down the organization. So, so that's, that, that, that was my, that was my start, but something happened in the process. I think that in those last couple of years of, of the organization, I had been taking in order to save our employees, I had been transferring my salary off the books and, and doing consulting work on the side. And what amazed me was how engaged business leaders were to jump in and to add value and even some of them jumping in to help use some of their skills. Uh, and as I was consulting and what 
introduce some of these people into the nonprofit world, they got passionate about the nonprofit work that we were doing. And I guess I had an epiphany. I said, I am just tired of asking people for permission to do good. And so I decided to build a business that could add value to leaders, extremely explode the bottom line in businesses. So in our consulting practice, we see businesses just double, triple, I mean, just magnificent results. And it's all because of focused attention. I mean, and you know this, I mean, when you focus your energy in any specific direction, all of a sudden, whatever you expands, grows. And, 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 And so, because we're able to help them lock in, but more than that, I'm passionate about doing good and asking for anybody else's permission. And so I not only have taken that own path in my own life, but the businesses I work with, I try to activate their missional components that say, what are you passionate about? And so get them really missionally aligned with what they want to do. So that's kind of the genesis of how I got. So I went from nonprofit uh, and then for profit. And I, I, I think I'm still doing the same thing. Uh, so it's 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 a little bit bit of a pivot. So I'm not that 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 perfect example, but uh, I'm 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 still doing the same thing. I'm looking for ways to add value to people and to enhance uh, the quality of life uh, for many uh, by activating leaders uh, that are passionate about those things. I love that. I love how you made that choice because it's a very powerful choice. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of, you know, there's risks. There could be fears that come up and all this. Like I'm just going to take the reins on my own. Enough of this. And I think that's very powerful. I think sometimes a lot of people don't do that. They let the, or they may try it as soon as they hit that first obstacle, which you're going to hit. Then all of a sudden they take that step back and like, okay, maybe this is not for me. And a lot of times, or multiple obstacles, you know, and I know that was, that was my story. And it's one of those things where uh, it comes in life. Like that takes a lot of courage, a lot of, uh, uh, what's the other word I want to use? I like the word courage. I'm going to go with that. Um, But it's one of those things where to make that choice, was there, um, did you have any fear? Cause a lot of times people think when you hear these stories, people go make these big pivots and they're just like, Oh yeah, look, they just did it. And that, that was it. Look, that, that's just because it's them. Um, I like to try to pull the humanness out of you a little bit here. Was there, would you have any fear in your mind? Was there any worry or any like, Oh man, I'm going to do this, but you know, I'm going to make, you know, I have some, here's my, here's my worries. Is that- nope. I always knew it would work. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Here's the reality. Here's the reality, especially when you're starting out in a new space. I knew we had value to offer. And I believe that uh, when you offer value to the universe, there's a comp- there's a law of compensation that really will take care of you when you're when you're sincerely adding value. But here's my challenge. Is that um, fear is a real thing, especially when uh, at the time Obama had to write a entirely new program because if not, we would have saw foreclosures of the like of 2007, where I'm losing my house. I'm losing late payments on my car. I'm, I'm cutting off everything from uh, unnecessary things like life insurance, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to whittle down to the bare essentials. I remember uh, getting a call uh, from my wife at that, 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 that said they had just shut the heat off in the middle of winter, uh, you know, uh, you know, and I'm flying somewhere in North Platte, Nebraska, trying to make a little training fee, uh, you know, so I mean, I, 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 you know, just, and we were just, just, just shuffling the deck. And knowing that I had the right message, knowing that I had the right idea. Uh, but the seasonality uh, of, of it hadn't arrived yet. So there's a, you know, if, if, if you, we understand, 
you know, that the law of gender works, you know, it, there's, there's a time of, of sowing, <laughs> there's a time of cultivation <laughs> in the planting process. And I, I love people who love this, the book, The Secret, because I always smile at that because, you know, yeah, you just think about it. It's going to come right to you. Yep. You do that. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> um, because the law of gender doesn't say that it happens immediately. There, there, there's a process in which the pressure of the earth, uh, the consistency of the watering has to, has to bring forth, you know, precious fruit. And, and so for me, I think that, um, I don't know if it was courage. It was more along the lines of stupidity. I just was too stupid to give up. Smarter people would have taken a safer option just when to get a job. I can talk well. I can stand in front of any car dealership and probably sell cars. I can probably sell shirts and ties. Uh, you know, back in my ancient history, I worked for Nordstrom when I was in college. So I, I, I know how to pay the bills, but I was committed to this idea. Uh, and everything, every step I took in that direction felt like betrayal. Every step in that direction felt like an abandonment of a dream. And, and, and so I just was too stupid to give up, which reminds me, I'm not shameless plug, right? Because it's not coming out for another uh, month and a half, probably. But my, my book called Too Stupid to Fail is done. I, it's in the editing process and it, it will be. But, but I, I, I think we just it was just a, it, it was just a you've got to be more committed to your dream. Uh, then to your well-being. And that's that's a hard thing for, and some people just can't pay that price. But I think that there's a price to be paid um, if you really, really want to have the impact that we're talking about. I agree hundred percent. Everything has a cost, right? And, you know, business always teaches opportunity costs. You do this, you're gonna have to cost that to do that and all these different things. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of the things where you, you had that, you had, you had, you said it at the end, you knew you were going to succeed regardless, right? You, you, you know, you were joking a little, but I think deep down you knew that. And, and I say that because that was me 10, 11 years ago, starting a chiropractic office, I had 20 some thousand in debt just to start that on my credit cards, which was probably not the wisest thing to do. Uh, I look back, there's some decisions I made that I'm like, why did I make that so hard on myself? But I was determined and I believed in myself and I just knew that it was all going to work out. And if it didn't, at least I tried, right? Because it was one of the things you said, if I go the other direction, I feel like I'm, I'm dying. Well, for me, it was like I was dying inside. Like if I decided to go work for someone and spend two to three years doing that, I just felt like I would have died inside because there was a vision and a passion of what I wanted to do and how I saw how I wanted to share chiropractic to the world and help, you know, not millions, but, you know, help as many people as I possibly can. And it gets to that point where you do look back and you're like, I don't, I can't believe that I, you know, the steps I took, but here I am and things are going well and everything's been good. And it's just like, thankfully I've went through that, but it's that, I would, did you have that? I mean, I'm assuming you did. I'm just going to ask the question. Anyhow, did you have that deep belief in yourself to know no matter what happens, I'm going to succeed in some way, shape or form, regardless of how bad things may look in the short term. Uh, or die trying. I, I, I think the, there's always a caveat. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if I fully uh, uh, have embraced that the turn of the flywheel means that success is going to happen on my watch. Um, I you know you know you think of Vincent Van Gogh. I mean, you, there, there's so many people you can think of that died before the fruit of their efforts 
materialize. And I, I so I, I have to say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a historian, right? So I, I, I look at history and I look at the long, you know, uh, I, I say, hey, we're, we're, we're all children in this. I don't care how old you are. You're a child in the eyes of time. And so I know that whatever's pulling me, whatever's calling me to do what I'm doing, I can't abandon it, even if I don't see the results in my lifetime. So I, you know, I don't know how long the struggle is going to be. So I, I guess there was a con- convincing that something would come of it. Uh, some people would be impacted by it. Um, success. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, I guess, I, I, look, I want billions of dollars in my bank account. So I'm not going to say that I don't want it. Right. I do want it and I'm inspired to, to go after it. But um, I guess I wasn't operating off of a knowledge. I, I was more convinced that I that I couldn't betray myself and betray my dreams than than anything else, and so I I guess I, I I you know the struggle is real. I mean, we struggle every day. I mean, to this day, I mean, if you stop struggling, you know, what's what's in it for you? So I think every step is a struggle. You know, uh, one of my uh, mentors, you know, John Maxwell, I'm part of affiliate with the, in 2011, that was one of the, that was my certification company I went through for coaching, um, you know, part of the John Maxwell, you know, I hear him at 72 worth of, um, probably over a billion dollars now. Uh, and I hear his struggles. He, he talks openly about his struggles. There's a struggle at every level, uh, and it gets tougher and tougher. Um, because when you make a bad decision, COVID broke out last year, uh, his organization, uh, which is the speaking, teaching, training organization, when all speaking, teaching, and training around the globe gets canceled, uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed. You know, there's a lot of people to worry about. And so uh, for me, you know, our team, we're just, it's just five of us. So, you know, if, if, if things go bad, I mean, it's bad, but it's not pandemic bad, you know? <laughs> so I, I think that's the reality we all got to consider. I love how you bring it up though, too, at any level or wherever you are, there's always going to be a struggle. And, you know, just the, even with like the human body, we're always taking stress upon it. And the moment you're not, you're dead because that means you're, you're, you've not existed anymore. So there's always a stress mm-hmm. and stress is what always, uh, to a certain degree, builds us up. Not always, because if you take too much on, um, it, it's going to have a breaking down effect, but there's a certain level, just like a load of a muscle, right? A muscle can only take on so much stress when you stress it. If you go beyond that stress load, you can create damage, um, in that essence. So I think that's really, really huge. And I love how you brought up the law of gender. I love that because everything in life, everything has a gestational period, everything. Um, you mm-hmm. look at any, you know, any, any plant, any, uh, animal, how it takes nine months to, you know, create a baby, humans, you know, it, it, there's, there's a gestational period. And I always teach people, and I love how you brought that up, that it's, it's divine. I call it divine timing because I have no other way of explaining it. Um, mm-hmm. You can call it universal timing if you don't like the, the divine timing there. But mm-hmm. there is a timing and a period and a place that will be ready for you. And I love how you brought up some of the famous artists, even like Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. I think of him a lot because his work was monumental. And he said, I cannot release this stuff now. I have to wait until after because when he was writing his material, it was a very religious context world that he was living in and he knew he would have been banned, stoned, whatever the, whatever his thoughts were back then. Um, and it wasn't until after his, you know, his passing to where now all of a sudden you look at him, he's like one of the giants when it comes to uh, some of the work that he has done and so much more. 
how much, you know, with everything, we're talking about mindset, we're talking a little bit about, you know, you know, t- making a choice, doing all these different things. Um, we talked a little bit before about righteous mind and, and, and I may, mm-hmm. I may not tie it into where we're kind of talking about, but how much is it when it comes to, you know, knowing, um, what you like, what you do for what you do, like your purpose and stuff along that line, how much is it in a context of in the mind that you have to have? Because like, you're like, no matter what, if I get the, you want to become a billionaire, right? I want to be a billionaire too. It's nice. That's not my motivation why I do what I do, but it'd be nice to have that also in the process. But if it's not my cards, so be it. I'm not going to be too upset about it. Um, I don't know if you feel that way, but if you do, please share. Um, but <laughs> mindset in the sense of knowing to, um, what are you for? What is it that you, you know, that whole purpose? I know I'm going to leave that to you there. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting because the reality is life is downhill. When you, when you think about it, gravity goes downward and to stay our, our mindsets, if we just decide to go on auto, autopilot, you know, uh, it's the law of entropy, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to go into the ground. It's going to go negative. Everything disintegrates. It vibrates, but it then disintegrates. I mean, it, there is there is no stable force on our planet that just sustains. Um, and energy doesn't go upward. It goes downward. You have to change and organize things in order to make them. You have to, it takes thought. Uh, you know, speaking to Napoleon Hill, um, uh, I believe it was Napoleon Hill said, uh, Oh, see, now it might be Wallace D. Waddle. See, I'm, I'm having a battle in my head between Waddles and Napoleon Hill. Uh, but I think it was Hill. He's, he, he says, uh, uh, when you link purpose to, all right, now I'm, now I'm losing the quote. See, I, I messed around with the author. Now I messed up the quote. Um, but no, there can be, without uh, purpose, there can be no intelligent accomplishment. Uh, with, when you, until you link thought to purpose, that's the quote. There can be no intelligent accomplishment. And so when you, when you think about that, it's like linking your thinking and driven by purpose. You have to attach these two ideas together that I'm going to approach this in a way that's going to organize things. Um, And I, and I was, uh, I, I I laughed uh, because uh, there was a a joke uh, that I was reading about uh, in a book the other day. And it says the, um, the um, person walked into a garden where someone like uh, Auburium, just a very beautiful, just garden. And, uh, and he says, wow, God's work is amazing. And the gardener said, yeah, you should see it when he had it all by himself. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, you know, yes, God creates and then he wants us to do a lot of the refining there there's a there's a way in which we have to do the organizing of these ideas money doesn't make itself we have to organize things in a way that makes it worth it and so because of the law of entropy because our mind goes downward because we, we you know the 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 media has a field day with this you know, they sell you on outrage that you should be outraged about something. Your adrenaline's pumping. You're angry and hostile with no solution. They give you idea without solution. They give you outrage. They sell you on outrage without really having. And so 
what I've been really, really contemplating lately, and one of the uh, uh, books, Jeff Henderson wrote a book called uh, What Are You For? Uh, and he has a really interesting, diverse background. It starts in business, goes into ministry, and then uh, now he's working again in business, doing a lot of consulting around the world. He used to work for the Atlanta Braves and Chick-fil-A. Then he worked for some church, and now he's, you know, he's doing all, all these things. And, uh, and obviously, apparently now he wrote a book. Um, but he asked two questions that really, really got my attention. He says, uh, really interesting book. What are you for? Two things that should really align you. What are you for? And what are you known for? And your roadmap in business should be to, to create a plan to close the gap between what you're for and what you're known for. And the, the reason that gets my attention so much is because coming through a political season where some people still haven't accepted reality, uh, that the world has shifted. Um, you know, I, I, I've had to unfriend people on Facebook uh, that basically, I, I think one person I, I, I read, the moment I saw it, I said, I got to unfriend this person. They said Joe Biden was killed by President Clinton, this puppet that's now in the place of... I'm just like, wow. I mean, I mean, there's some wild stuff out there. I mean, it's just, I said, wow, how did I ever accept you as a friend? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's some loony bin stuff out there. And regardless of where your political beliefs are, stop. If I were to ask you, as listeners, I could ask you, take 60 seconds, push pause on the, on, on the take 60 seconds and write down everything you're against, the things you don't like. And then to not take another 60 seconds and write down how many things you're for. The against list always gets created easier. And it's because of the way we're thinking. And the, the, the tough part about what we're against is that what we're against creates an emotional posturing. And this is where Jonathan Haidt, the moral psychologist, really, really laid into uh, people who think this way. And so there are things that culturally, and personally disgust us. They disgust it. We're disgusted by these things. You know, he uses the example of someone slicing up a dog that fell dead in their yard and it's feeding it to their family. And they're like, oh, you know, well, that's not disgusting in every part of the world. You know, he talks about uh, two, two young teenagers that had never, uh, they, they wanted to test things out. They were siblings though. And they wanted to, tested out before they got into the real world as they were twins graduating into college. And he says, they want to sleep together just to test it out, to use protection and everything else like that. Yeah. Some people are disgusted, but happens in other parts of the world happened for many generations, brothers and sisters kind of made it together, you know? And then he talks about, uh, uh, something I won't share on your podcast, uh, <laughs> something that really, really created like this moral outrage. And he says, not, the, the, the common denominator is many people define morality by what harm it does. And he, all the examples he gives does no harm to anyone. It's not about the harm it does. It's about the personal disgust that we have for certain things that other cultures may find common and normal. And when we find that disgust, we attach our disgust and we add it to our moral opinion. And then it becomes visceral. It becomes violent. It becomes full of outrage and it becomes full of indecency. 
and we who are trying to be uphold some moral standard become immoral by trashing and tearing down other human beings. And so I, I, I think that's been really, really on my mind lately uh, because I can have a conversation with any body from any religious or political persuasion and not lose my stuff. I can hold a good conversation. And the reason why is because I know as best as I can, when I'm talking with someone, I try to sit in their seat. I do my best to look through their eyes and I don't earn the right to have that conversation in a meaningful way until I see what they're seeing and see, until I see the righteousness through their lens, because everybody there's a rightness to the way they see the world. There's a rightness to the way they interpret things and they have a complete justification for even the wrong things they do. And if you don't understand that it's hard to have a meaningful dialogue. And so if you can't do that, uh, just don't talk and just don't have a conversation with them. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's always, you know, they say, you know, you can't, don't judge anyone until you, you put your feet in their own shoes. You know, don't, don't judge until you can look at the lens of the eyes that they're seeing things through. And mm -hmm. I think if we just take a moment as humans to do something like that, things are done. It's it's a game over because then we, mm -hmm. we can we can actually experience love, which to me, love to me, one of my definitions of love is just understanding, really mm -hmm. understanding another human being. And if you can go to that place, it's transformational. I mean, even when you think you're right, like me being mm -hmm. a chiropractor and, and, and the education I've been sharing on my personal mm -hmm. Facebook page to my, my patients about COVID and the, what the narrative is versus what mm -hmm. the science is, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to get political on the science side. I'm not trying to go that route. I'm just saying from as a, as a doctor, how I look at research, how I read it, the methodologies, the processes, there's, there's a ruling of what we've created as humans and the scientific method, right? If it mm -hmm. follows the lines, that's science. If it doesn't follow those lines, that's not science. It's real simple. But it's even at that point, I always have to look back when I hear, you know, people, they're just sharing the, they're, I always say you're, you're throwing up with what you're being spoon fed. And, and when it comes to that, then it's just like, man, they're just stuck in fear. I have to really mm -hmm. look at it from their lens. They're stuck in fear. So then how do I help break the fear? It doesn't work on everybody, right? Because you also have to have mm -hmm. someone just like in politics or in religion, those hot heated debate topics. If the person's not willing to listen, no matter, at least maybe my, at my level of communication, uh, I'm not able to connect to where we can have a mutual, like create a nice bridge to say, okay, let's, let's see things. I'm seeing things from your lens. I'm seeing where you're getting it all from. I'm seeing why you're there. Great. Let's have a dialogue. And then when you try and they don't want to listen, then it's like, all right, I'm just, uh, as the old phrase goes, if you try to make a sing, uh, make a pig sing, you're going to annoy the pig and you're going to frustrate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it goes all the way back to what Dale Carnegie would say. He says a, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion. Still, you, you can't convince somebody against something just because you berate them with a the language. And, and so once downside to what we're talking about here is that, you know, a lot of media personalities are going to be out of, out of work. If everybody decided, Hey, we're, we're, we're not going to live in this outrage. We're not going to live in sustained levels of trauma because that's exactly what it is. When you, say, when you have sustained levels of adrenaline and norepinephrine, you know, when, when that blood flow is full of all the anxiety drugs that your body naturally produces and your adrenal glands are just pumping into you because you're angry, but you're hostile, it's not healthy. It, it, it disintegrates your health, as you know, as a doctor. And I'm, you know, one of the things that I love about uh, the book I read, he was 
Uh, and this guy goes into a community and he realizes because he's coming from a kind of a business background that the problem with the, the, the church from his lens is that it isn't the message. It's the marketing. He says, people actually like Jesus. You know, almost everywhere you go in the world, they say, hey, yeah, Jesus is a pretty cool dude. Yeah, he was a great teacher. You know, people really like Jesus. It's the marketing. It's those people over there that represent Jesus that nobody likes this, likes the church. And so what he did was he put everybody in T-shirts saying, let's go around uh, with a T-shirt that just says, I'm for Gwinnett, Gwinnett County uh, in, in the Atlanta area. And people just had to start asking, what, what, what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm for Gwinnett, you know. What what, what 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 do you do? Well, we're just a group. We're a group of people. We're a community. We're for Gwinnett. This is our house. This is our community. We believe in it. You know, we 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 believe whatever their high school team, you know mascot does. You know, we they start highlighting business in their their news. He came together with his staff and he says, "Listen, if there's not more Instagram posts of people tagging for Gwinnett outside of our doors of what we call." Our community. He wanted more pictures outside than inside of the church. He says, "I don't want. I don't want a lot of pictures of inside the church." He says, "People can come here and see what we're about. Let's get out there. Let's be for them. Let's stop being against us." So you want to come and yeah, you want to de debate the merits of, of 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 gay marriage and there there are plenty of churches for you. If you want to debate, you know, abortion and stuff like that, we're not talking about what who any. We're not talking. We're not against. We're not against people. We're for. We want to. All we care about is what we're for. Let's have a conversation. And I was just like, I, it was just such a radical way of thinking. And I'm, I, I read so widely. So to hear a pastor, you know, talking like this was just really, really uh, eye-opening. And again, he spoke at a conference that I was at. And so I was just, you know, because he's a he's a very successful business leader, um, built, you know, multi-billion dollar businesses. And so it was just really good to hear his thinking on that. I love it. And it's true. I mean, it's, it's, how do you, you know, just, I love that concept of just, Hey, this is our County. This is where we are and we're going to showcase it. And who cares about all the dividing lines that are created, especially with the media. I mean, they, they do that very, very well. And you, like I said, it, it's trauma that they're trying to continue to uh, perpetuate and keep you in a state of fear. I mean, I mean, you look at now, I mean, just with COVID and all these mutated strains and I put little bunny ears or air quotes because it's one of the things where and for the listeners understand that I have a lot of data to back up what I would say here but <laughs> I mean the virus has mutated over 9,800 times already we know that medical doctors were saying this back last last year in March saying how oh this thing has already mutated 20 30 times and by next year it'll be over 100 but they're hand-picking strains to be like hey you got to worry about this you got to be fearful and when I educate my community I'm always like listen listen to the words they're choosing and pay attention. This is how viruses work. Now look at what they're saying. And then, and some people get it. They're like, oh, I see what you're saying. That makes, okay, then why would they make that scary? I don't know. I'm not in that business that I can get into a lot of conspiracies with that, but I'm not going there. But it's just more of just, just listen to the game that they play and look how they want to keep perpetuating things instead of saying, how about we just all, you know, come together and have an understanding, listen to both mm -hmm. sides. Let's have a conversation just like in anything else. And being in the chiropractic side in the holistic world, uh, the medical never likes, or I should say never, they don't choose to have that conversation. And I love how he's, your past, the pastor is like, hey, we're going to bring everybody in. This is what we do. And that's, and that's creating union and unitedness and, and uniting people together in the right way, in my opinion. And I say right way, uh, just because you're breaking down barriers and walls and just accepting who we are. Um, mm -hmm. There was a quote I read just a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it. It talked about how um, I appreciate the character of a human. I don't judge him by anything. 
except the character who like the character who they are. And what that meant was, is um, he went a little deeper into it and just said, you're human. I'm human. We have our flaws. Let's learn from one another. Let's grow. He's like, that's the purpose of this. I don't judge by anything else. And he goes, if we can do that, that's un- that's uniting each other. That's mm-hmm. encompassing each other and truly helping us to grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I think that's where we have to really, uh, you know, there's, there's we are the most informed idiots, uh, this generation, um, because we got so much knowledge and we know better. Uh, but we still don't do better. And that's why one of my favorite quotes by John Maxwell is the greatest gap in the world is between knowing and doing. And and and, and it's, it's not about what we know uh, because we have enough information uh, to treat each other with respect. We have each other to understand that, listen, the, the, the issues that we stand on are not that complex. Now, I understand that there are still people, uh, I think they call them the uh, flat earther society, uh, that are still out there. And I get that. And that's fine. If you believe the earth is flat, and these satellites is all Hollywood, and I, I I understand that 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 group is out there and probably still growing, um, but it doesn't mean I can't respect your right and ability to believe that. Even though when you sit on a ship, you can see the curvature of the Earth, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm just, but you know, but I you, you I if if that's what you believe. And so uh, here's what I know. And this is one thing that probably I just want to really, really, if, if there's anything I want your listeners to get when it comes to this discussion, when you are fully convinced of something, take an axiom like two plus two equals four. If someone says, gets in your face and no, it isn't, it's five. And they get really angry with you. Unless you're an idiot, that's not going to raise your blood pressure because you realize they're the idiot. As human beings, we don't get outraged by things that we know are true. We get outraged by things we believe are true. For the most part, we believe it. We're just not fully convinced of it. Because if you were fully convinced, it wouldn't impact you at all. You wouldn't. You don't argue with a child. No, two plus two is five. You don't get angry. You don't get upset because you know they're just uninformed. See the outrage that we see has to do with the fact that we are not fully convinced ourselves. And what we need to realize, and one of my favorite coaches, Gay Hendricks, he says that relational conflict is when two people try to occupy the victim position at the same time. When you choose, you're no one's victim. When you make a decision, it doesn't matter whether who's right or who's wrong. When you believe that the opposite of my truth can be just as true or even truer, it should lower your blood pressure a little bit. That's all I'm saying. There's so much truth in that. I think of a quote where, and I don't even know if it's a quote, but it might be just a saying, um, where the one who knows within truly knows, like let's say like a fact or something like that, like two plus two is four. No, it's two plus two is five. Okay. That's, that's, it's your opinion. I'll let you live with that. You know, you don't get bothered by it. Like when you have truth within or, or you have that, then you don't really want to dive in. And I love how you brought that up. If it's a belief, oh my God, they protect it like no tomorrow and media, 
is so great. And I'm not trying to bash the media, although I am a very not a fan of them. I think if we get rid of media, for the most part, I think a lot of our problems will be solved or a lot of them will be less than what we expect. They would need jobs. They would need jobs. <laughs> but there are more there are more spots available in entertainment because that's what they are. And this is I think that's the sad part. I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. I don't I, listen. I don't I don't disdain the media. Listen, as long as we're giving them money, it's almost like people say, well, they, why sh- a football player shouldn't make that much money. Look. We've created a culture in which that is the norm. We've created a culture in which the media persists and they sell on outrage because we pay them for it. We are captivated by it. And that's what I mean. That's what going downhill means. Our head gets stuck in all the dross and all of the negativity and all. That's where our mind, that's what tantalizes us. We love that. And so we pay for it. It's another form of entertainment. The sad thing for me is that people don't understand that the media is an entertainment business, which means the news isn't broken. We are. I love how you bring that up. It's so true. I mean, it is. That's what it's designed to do. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And I don't think people realize that. Um, and then they take it as for actual. And it's just like sports. I, someone told me this years ago, and I was kind of shocked. Um, we think of NFL, we think of, you know, the major leagues, major baseball, uh, major league baseball, MLB, uh, what is it? NHL and the NBA. Um, when you look at what they exist for, um, they're actually an entertainment business, not a sports business, which I found that to be fascinating. Cause then mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. Cause somebody would tell me the predictions already made for the whoever's going to win. And I'd be like, I don't know about that. These are sports, man. That's hard. He's like, listen, they're professionals at what they do. He goes, you played baseball for 25 years. So somebody throws a pass ball down the pike and you, you can, you, can you hit it? I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll put the barrel on it easily. If I know it's coming down the middle of the plate, I'm going to crush it. I know it. No matter how fast it's coming. I've already accommodated my speed to them. I can do that. And I'm not a professional. And mm-hmm. he's like that. He goes, I'm not saying things don't show up. He goes, but sometimes things are predicted. And he goes, it's all about entertainment. And, and then when I started listening to that, I was like, okay, let, again, it's just for those who are love sports, I'm not trying to radical your world here, but I found it fascinating because then I started looking back going, when's the last time you've seen in, in the sports like NBA, um, hockey, where you have multiple games in the playoffs to, to order to pe- transfer to the next level, um, where they just sweep across the board? Mm-hmm. I don't see that anymore. I don't know. In major leagues, I've rarely, the last time I've seen something like that, was the White Sox, Chicago White Sox in the World Series in 2005, where they won four to one, four nothing against or four nothing games against St. Louis, or the Chicago Bulls when they just radically destroyed everybody in the playoffs. And I go, you don't see that anymore. And mm-hmm. I started questioning: Is sports just getting better? Which they are, metrics and stats. But I'm asking, I'm going to ask you that question just to, just to pick your brain on this for fun, if you don't mind. Not um, at all. But do you see being that? from Chicago? You just named two true Chicago teams. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm more it. Cubs fan than than the White Sox fan, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm a Cub fan also. I'm shocked, you know, they made the Cubs wait so long, but you know, 2016 know. was their year. You could tell. Oh man. I and my wife's it. not even a baseball mate. She doesn't watch any sports. And she was just like, man, there's something about their energy. I feel like they just need to win. She goes, I love their energy. And she's like, it's just something that, and I was like, that's what's gonna get them to win. Uh, but long story short, do you see that? Do you notice that in some way, shape, or form? No, absolutely. I see it all, I, and, and we 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 see this everywhere. And I I I, I try not to, you know, you, you go into the the it, it's an entertainment world. It's like, what can I get money for? And I I this is where I saw it, which is really, and I'm I'm just gonna step all over uh, New Orleans Saints fans uh, 
But let's just be honest. In 2009, when Brett Favre came back, they had a better team. They were stronger than the Saints. And they were literally, I mean, expected to walk away with that game. And uh, MTV picked up a story that started a month before that game that said that if they won, if, if they won a Super Bowl, New Orleans, Reggie Bush would propose marriage to Kim Kardashian. And so you had this whole other media outlet that became so crazy. So, the, you know, that picked up in the news. It picked up in the stories. It was picked up in the media. It was just like, oh, my gosh, are they going to win? Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And then you watch the game. And if you watch the game, they actually uh, – that game, that one game, I think uh, caused several coaches, including the head coach, to be suspended for an entire year. Uh, it caused several players to get fined up the wazoo. The refs looked the other way as literally the only way the Saints could win was literally to just beat away and just attack. And they were not calling penalties. And I think the refs should have been fine. And the final thing that actually determined the game was so interesting was a phantom call of a pass interference when the guy never even came close to touching the guy. And it was just like, and then all of a sudden they kick field goal and they win. And it's just like, there was so much disturbance about what happened during that game. And being in Minnesota, obviously, and actually I was in Cozumel at the time, but I was still watching it on a, on the big screen. <laughs> I was watching it on a big screen and I'm like, this is so interesting because everything from, you know, that, and that was 2010. Everything that I was looking at was like, Oh my gosh, this was rigged. And then after the game, yes, now they have, uh, penalties. Now they have charges. Now they have suspensions and all these things. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was all, it was pure entertainment. And guess what? They got what they wanted. It was by almost double the most watched Super Bowl in history because they got the MTV crowd, women who did not care about football to all of a sudden care. Um, young people who were disinterested in sports were hooked. Oh man, if they win, you know what that means? It was just unbelievable. Anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a long roll, but I, I was just, I, and I think for, for the most part, there's rules, but come on the Tom Brady story this year, incredible story. And so, and the, the difference, the talent is so even in many of these leagues that the difference in the game is typically the way the game is called. Seriously. All it takes, I mean, because once one team gets momentum, just based upon the pure talent, the game is almost over. And so it can be tilted. And especially when you have a multi-series, uh, like a baseball or a basketball, it's even more in the control of the hands of the refs. Uh, when you, when you have that. So I, you know, I, you know, I still watch it. I'm still entertained by it, but you know, I don't go selling things, uh, trying to buy <laughs> tickets to the super next super bowl. Uh, I'm, I'm just as comfortable in my home. So. No, it's true. And it's one thing to be, you know, it's just being mindful of, you know, and, it, and like you said, it is, you know, when you have that, the calls and stuff like that, momentum is life, right? So it's always that, how are things moving? And when you got things going for you, I remember in games playing, you know, I played semi-pro baseball and we'd be momentum's our way. And then all of a sudden we're getting like, I'm getting called strikes. I'm getting called strikes where they're, 
out of the zone. And I'm going, wait a minute, what the heck's going on? This, you were just calling that last at bat. You called those balls. Now you're calling it strikes. What's, and I get frustrated because I hated mm-hmm. that. And because now it messes me up as a batter because now my perception of the strike zone has to change and adapt for to that and, and, and to what they're calling, you know, and then it's like, or we know this umpire likes low balls for uh, balls to be called strikes. All right. I have to reposition my swing and have to be more mindful, which messes you up as a hitter because now that throws you off. Mm-hmm. And we see that time and time again. But yeah, it's one of the things where, you know, in life, it's, uh, as, as the story goes, I, one of the best uh, statements I ever heard was, is that life is all, everything we see is just a stage, right? And mm-hmm. it's how you interpret it, how you want to see it to really create the, 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 your life and how you want to take it from that moment on. Um, just like we know that, you know, sports is an entertainment, but we, and, and not really may not be, I'm not saying it isn't, uh, but even though I'm, a, I'm like a Tom Brady fan. So like when I saw him, you know, win another Super Bowl against the Patriots, I love it, but there's a story, right? There's the story I was sold on. Patriots didn't yeah. sign him. He goes over here. He pulls one of his old buddies that could be able to get onto the team and they just work this team together and look what happened. Was that all true? I don't know. It's a great story. I don't know. Well, I won't ever well, know. Th- th- this is what I'll say is that I'm not a Tom Brady fan. But when he pulled Antonio Brown with a bad reputation, he says, Hey, we're gonna they're they're gonna we're gonna get you put you on our team. Why don't you live in my house? And I'm like, oh man, that's a leadership story. Oh man, that's a that's a even though this man probably has more ego than, than God, he, um, he basically says, I'm going to let you live with me. I said, now, how do you not? It's a story. But that, what are they, they sold me on the story. And that's what they're doing. And ESPN full time, they're creating narratives. They're creating stories. Every story is not going to win. But boy, they're getting you emotionally engaged. And they're telling the story. And so I, I, I think that's, that's true of, 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 of sports. It's true of life. Um, you know, Plato said that, you know, the people who rule the world tell the, are those who tell the best stories. And it's so true. I mean, that stories are everything. That's what sells us, right? Like you just shared that story, story about Tom Brady, how he, you know, elevated the level of the team by just, he was the first man in, last man out. And people wouldn't want to cut corners because they're like, wait a minute, this guy who's a freaking legend still doing that every single day. Hold on, wait a minute. Maybe we should be changing our act a little bit too. And mm-hmm. there's so many stories we can go behind that. And it's just you know great to take on. I love it. Um, one last question I had, and I forgot. I'm looking at my notes like, wait a minute, I had it written down here. Um, anywho, when we talk about, you know, you talk about life breaking down, right? Life is always, you know, things, energy mm-hmm. is always breaking down and so forth. Um, with that, how, one last question I have is how can you recreate the energy though to build up or is it always something breaking down or is there, cause I think of it as like the body, the body, the moment you started, the moment you were born is the moment you started dying, right? Mm-hmm. So things in the body are breaking down just as much as they're rebuilding and repairing. Um, so how does that play a role in life with the law of entropy and everything? Well, there's, there's the physical and all the physical world always breaks down. And then there's metaphysical. Um, the power that we have as human beings, which is one of the unique endowments given to humans specifically, is the power to create things that don't already exist. Now, some will say there's no unique thoughts, there's no unique creations, but we can, we, the, the power, of, and, and, and so I, I believe that power comes from spirit. It's how we fuse together the energy within 
to create something without. And so when, when we look at it from the lens of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use a cell phone, for example. So here's my cell phone. Great little tool here. A hundred years ago, uh, it would, somebody would have saw it, picked it up because there's no battery, no battery in it. I just thrown it as a brick. What is that? It's worthless piece of trash. Um, but it didn't start. This is an idea. It's all it is. It's an idea. And it was fused together over generations, people attaching ideas to ideas. And we have the ability to, to pull together our, our collective spiritual energy that has the power to create, even though the physical world consistently disintegrates our spiritual world. And so I think we do find ourselves in this, in this war of sorts, right? Which one is going to win? Is it going to be the, the, the creative spiritual world or is it going to be the physical world? Um, and I think when we just follow our animal instincts, we move towards the physical world winning, which means we just, we gossip, we complain, we talk about what is. Well, that's the present negative. Or we celebrate, we, 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 we just you know, lather in our own success. That's the present positive. Uh, one of my mentors, Paul Sheely, really, and he says, or, or we focus our energy on the future negative. Uh, the only way we can truly, truly align is to really look into, at the future positive. And that's the space. That's the creative space. That's where spirit has the ability to create something that didn't exist, whether it be a flying human being that 150 years ago wasn't even a thought. And now we're flying all over the globe, like, you know, globe trotting like you wouldn't believe. Uh um, automobile, artificial lights at night. I mean, everything that we've created over the last is just is unbelievable. The internet, the fact that we're talking right now on a device when we've never physically met one another. I mean, all of this is created through energy. Now, it was created through energy, and so it's at its peak at that as an idea. And when it becomes physical, this disintegrates. The technology becomes outdated. The uh, all these things are going to pass. Things are going to, but our creative mind can keep it evolving. And so I think we, it, it's, it's, it's a war between the physical and the metaphysical. It's a, and, and we, it doesn't have to be a war because we can use it to leverage it. But I, I think in many cases, uh, our natural state, I love Darren Hardy says, uh, he says, if you look at the natural state of Michael Jordan, it is not what you see at 23 years old sitting in a bull's Jersey. It's that gut you see on a golf course <laughs> with a cigar in his mouth. You know, so that's that that's that's the that's the natural our natural state when we're not focused on a goal, when we're not focused on a dream, disintegrates. So true. Uh, spoken so well. I wanted to make sure I asked that question. So before we wrap up, how can people connect with you? How can people follow you, see what you're up to, and get connected? Because I know you got a book coming out soon. Um, how can they, you know, all that good stuff? You know, almost there's always a way to get to me through our website, experienceleadership.com. And, you know, you just go to website and uh, if you want to find our podcasts or our training programs or different things like that, uh, some of our coaching programs, we, yeah, we, we, we make ourselves uh, pretty accessible. We customize a lot of what we do. Um, we don't do specifically uh, any type of life coaching or anything like that, but we do leadership coaching. We will do uh, business. We work with businesses uh, to work because we like to see again, 
get mission, businesses and leaders missionally aligned to do the good that they can and that what they can contribute. So we don't take everybody, but we do the, the people that we work with, uh, uh, we've, what we've seen are very, very happy, uh, with the results they get. And, uh, we tend to have longer term relationships because of that. I love it, brother. Well, I appreciate you listeners. This is going to be in the show notes for you to connect. Appreciate the work you're doing, man. Uh, this was fun. I, I knew it was going to be, uh, even in all the conversations that came up, uh, I'm excited. I appreciate you. I know I'm gonna have you on again, eventually again soon. Cause we can talk for days. Absolutely. Um, man. Love it. Uh, but appreciate you. And thank you for doing all that you're doing brother. Hey, and thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the podcast for past shows. Please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.